I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're going to be talking about smart money moves and things you maybe should think about before year end and at least, you know, with the new year coming up. Here with me is my friend and and coworker, financial planner, Joe Carlson. Joe, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do here at Lutz? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm honored to be here with you today, yeah. Jack. It's Thank it's a very me. it's a very honorable thing to do. Absolutely, right? absolutely. You're kind of a seasoned vet nowadays. <laughs> yeah, so, right. yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here. So, a little bit about me. I've been with Lutz for about two and a half years. Okay. Two almost three years if you count my internships. So I pretty much started here right after college. I graduated in 2019 from Nebraska. So, right. like you said, I'm a financial planner in Lutz Financial. Kind of what that means is. I'm learning under the current financial advisors down there. I kind of work in the operations side of the business, but also uh, on the client side with the advisors. Yep. So on the operations side, I'm part of our trading team. Nice. Um, so I help Josh Jenkins, our CFA, on the portfolio management and the daily trades and research and everything that comes with that. But you've got to be you got to be learning quite a bit from Josh. Right? I am. Josh is a, a mega nerd, but yeah. he's also a, a great teacher and he's really good at what he does. So yeah, I've been learning a ton with him. Cool. Um, we just hired a new employee, Alec Johnston, who's kind of joined our trading team, and he's uh, helping us out a lot. Nice. You know, on that on that side of things too. So the other part of what I do is I support the advisors with their clients. I help them with the meeting prep, the financial planning that goes kind of the prep on the front end, going into the meetings. Usually join them for the meetings, and then help with the uh, back end follow up meeting notes, things that nice kind of come with that. So the overall goal is for me to learn under these guys eventually become an advisor refresh my memory on on kind of the path of of your career right now because you've got to take some tests right did you are you still studying i know that we were, i was asking you to play softball and you, you couldn't because you were studying for tests and i'm like joe you're not in college anymore you don't need to study <laughs> i shut you down one too many times yeah. i wasn't happy about it but so i'm, I'm done studying okay. uh, officially which is awesome i passed the certified financial planners test nice. um, in july so Sweet. as of right now, that's that's the only certification I need. There was uh, prerequisite courses that you needed to get that, and then um, heck of a lot of studying. How was um, that? Was, was it one. tough? It was tough. It's a long one. I think yeah, it was. I think a six-hour test. Um, Jeez. But you know, it's one of those where if you put in the time. It's, what? It, can you give me like the cliff notes of, of, of you know some of the main main topics? I mean, I am you know I, my my knowledge is so limited of what yeah, you have to do. Yeah, fair enough. That, fair so. enough. We don't uh, necessarily learn what all goes into the CFP in our undergrad right. or anything, but you know the, the main topics are you know they're kind of like a general principles, which is just the general economy, um, how things work, education planning, sure. some of the some of the somewhat basic topics. Then it goes it gets into depth into insurance, investments, retirement planning, estate planning, and tax planning. Those okay. are kind of the main areas and everything that goes into all that. So nice. Yeah. Quite a bit. I mean, so it, that, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Did you tap into any of the resources around here to help you with that process or were you kind of just heading the books? Absolutely. Well, I mean, having a year, like I said, that time, almost two years of experience down there and actually being in client meetings helps a lot. 
actually able to apply some. Does it really? It does. Because sometimes you don't, like, you know, you take a test and you get done. You're like, well, that doesn't apply at all to what I'm doing day to day, but it sounds correct. I'm glad it does because it's an industry standard test. Exactly. That's that's the advantage of studying, putting in the hours for a test like this is that it actually does apply. Nice. Um, And some of your knowledge and experience applies to the test. So, yeah. And then obviously having the tax guys here and a lot of resources whenever I ran into tough yeah. um, topic or something you know i've definitely bounced off some of the cpas well why would i not if i have the yeah. resources and the brain power well and, and it sounds like you know it's good to hear they know what they're talking about right right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah no so cool man good, but that's that that's is it. awesome and kind yeah. of can spend more time on, on my actual uh work and not so much studying now so i nice. bet that's yeah I was, I was gonna say that transition from learning to doing is always a, a fun one, right? Absolutely. It makes the days go very fast. But so, well, A, congratulations. I think that's fantastic. I appreciate it. Because I started, it would be three years ago. Well, I think, I don't know, just over three years ago, I started August of 18. So we've been here around the same time, yep. which is cool. But no, are you, you know, just generally outside of your job, are you are you a nerd when it comes to money? Do you, I mean, have you always been interested in investments and personal finance and things like that? Or is it, is it something that you have, have newly found as, as a professional or, or how's that? Yeah, I mean, I would say you know, it really applies to the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about today. I haven't always been a nerd because when I was getting my finance undergrad, I didn't fully know which area I was going to go into. I was sure. a nerd with what I was learning, but right. not necessarily what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. But as I kind of started to you know clear this path for myself, with this is what I wanted to do, I started to kind of nerd out. Yeah. I saw, so I interned this summer going into my senior year in Less Financial and nice. I kind of saw what it takes and the actual, the knowledge that that is required to be able to give other people advice sure. on, on their financials. I saw how these guys did things and the hours that they put in before and after work to stay up to date on, you know, tax law changes or whatever, just everything that's going on. So I would say kind of my senior year and as I graduated and started here, right. I started to try to nerd out. And, you know, kind of how it applies to this. And one thing I was going to say is not necessarily with my own personal finances as much as clients. It's sure. kind of a weird psychological thing for me. I would way rather spend my time looking into other people's balance sheets and yeah. figuring out what's best for them than my own. Right. Well, it's kind of like you're doing it all day. Why would I want to go home and do it then, right? Like I I do not go home and, and think about IT. I mean, unless I come across an article or something and I think that could benefit a client of mine, I go home and I'm like, I got a computer because I got to have a computer and that's about it, right? But I, I do feel like getting out of college and, and incurring some of the expenses and, and, and debt and things like that, you know, maybe you're not a nerd, but it forces you to sit down and say, all right. What do I got to do in five years and 10 years and 15 years to get where I want to go? And I mean, it's it's got to be kind of nice to you know have that going at the same time as your career. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I usually I, sometimes I have to make a specific point to set aside an hour, you know, whether it's right after work or whatever to yeah. kind of reevaluate my whole thing. Or sometimes I'll see I'll be going through clients work and what, they're, what they've got going on. I'll be like, well, that actually applies to me. So, sure. You know, things like that. We're all figure out advice that we're giving somebody else and was like, really that's advice well, i'm gonna take this I just, yeah i just need to run with it yeah like we said it's easier to you know stay locked in at work on clients and what you got going on and totally have to work shut it off but totally well let, let's get into kind of our topic here so we're going to talk about you know things you should do before year end i mean even 
at the beginning of the year, right? This is kind of an interesting time. You've got holidays. You've got sometimes there's some bonuses hitting around this time. And then you've got, you know, you've got, got to file your taxes at the beginning of, of this coming year. And so then, you know, potentially a tax return or, or you've got to, you know, pay a little bit more in taxes. How do you approach the year end? I mean, what are some things people should do to prepare for it? And, and is it really anything different than, than normal for their financial planning? Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, you know, kind of, kind of as humans, we're, we're all pretty calendar oriented. And uh-huh. sometimes we like to like kind of tie a bow on things at the end of the year, start fresh going into the new year. So it's definitely a good time to reevaluate y- your own situations mm-hmm. and what you got going on and figure out, you know, I got taxes coming up here. You know, how, how did my budget work over the past years? There's all kinds of different aspects to kind of look back and consider. And you mentioned bonuses. So you might be, you might have a different fiscal year at work where, you know, May is your time to look at your budget and sit down and do things. Right. But for a lot of people, I think the holidays and year end is a really good time to just sit down and, and kind of really take a look back at the year and figure out, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, how's my next year looking and what can I do to improve? What do you, what do you recommend for tracking that? Right. Because you can say, oh, I you know, I need to look back and figure out what went well. Obviously, you know, we can talk about a budget and that's something that it's like working out, you know, it's like, God dang it. I don't want to do this budget every week, right. For all my little expenses here. And there one thing, and I'll, I'll let you answer that, I guess, after I mention this, but Joe Donovan mentioned, he's like, I do maybe a quarterly, you know, like kind of a self-valuation, right. Where mm-hmm. he, he's just trying to make sure that his assets and liabilities are lining up and, and that he's, you know, making, making good ground on that. What, what do you recommend? Yeah, and I, I listened to the, the one you did with Joe. Yeah. Kind of a lot of the same, you know. Or a net worth, he mentioned. Yeah, his net worth. Yep, yep. And kind of a lot of the same things that he mentioned. And, you know, what I was going to mention today is it's, it's so in terms of your budget, which is everyone's favorite topic, right? Right. Just looking back at your budget. But, you know, there's so many resources nowadays that you can use, whether it's Mint or other apps that help you track it, or I just use Excel on basic and kind of a nerd. So I use Excel. Do you use Excel? I do. That's I do. Kind of have a template laid yeah. out. And I, just, I guess I do the same thing, but I don't look at it too frequently. Right. Well, that, like, like you said, what Joe said is, you know, quarterly, semi-annually, especially annually, as mm-hmm. you're kind of reevaluating everything. Right. It's a good time to look at, if you did do a budget, you know, look at how much do you stick to that? Is it realistic or is it not? It's right. not realistic. You got to adjust, figure out, you know, how much do I need to be putting away in savings? What am I, am I getting my employer match? Am I getting, if I'm I'm putting other way or other additional cash aside for Mm -hmm. short-term goals, intermediate goals, long-term goals, right? You know, short-term being things within 24 months, intermediate, I always kind of say is like that three to 10 year range. Sure. And then long-term is the more 20, 30, 40 years retirement type money. It's a good time to really not just figure out how your budget went, but also really analyze what your goals are going forward. Yeah. I Well, see, I like that because I, and, and I was really forced to put together kind of just a blanket template for a budget when I moved out to Denver. So right when I graduated, I moved out there and I was like, $1,300 in rent. I'm like, I have no idea if that, oh, I got to figure out if, if I can budget for it. Right. And, and so that forced me, I was like, okay, here's my income, here's my expenses, here's X and, you know, different things I can put money away for. And so that, I mean, you don't really have to touch it all that often if you know that what you're putting away, you know, as long as you don't incur too much debt or, you know, if your assets do increase enough that you can, you know, maybe increase your savings, you know, that you 
put away to savings by a percent or your 401k by a percent or whatever. Yep. No, exactly. You're exactly right. And you know, the kind of fixed expenses that you're talking about, those are the easy ones that like, you have to to pay those to to survive, right? So Mm -hmm. you're going to pay those, but that does, is is factored into the budget. The things that are kind of more variable, or I guess the variable expenses are, are some of the more ones to really factor into your you know, budget as you, as you go on. Like emergency places. type things? Yeah, or? So that's, that's part of it, but like restaurants and you Got know, it. what I was going to say is 2021 was kind of a, you know, crazy year for in the, in the fact of we all kind of came out of hibernation. And yeah. We didn't really know how fast we were going to be able to go back into normal or if we were going to have to at any point you know, sure. go back into a lockdown or whatever it was. Spending was very irregular this year for a lot of people, right. including myself. So it's kind of hard to, to fully look back at this past year and be like, this is what 2022 is going to be like. Because, That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just so, it was so irregular and, you know, people were dying to go on vacation. So we, people probably spent more money this year than they, they will maybe going forward. Well, and Brooke and I were just talking about, we've got a group of friends that, you know, just went to Nashville. Right. And they had a blast, but I, you know, I was in no position to sit there and say, yeah, let's just go to Nashville and maybe spend a grand. I don't, you know, I right. mean that, right. but it was, a, I, there's plenty of people doing that, whether worth it or not. I'm sure it was, right. but yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Those, some of those expenses. So the, the variable, the restaurants, the vacations, yeah. the whatever you spend money on for entertainment, you know, I like to go to movies. I've been starting to do that a little more recently. Yeah. Um, you know, just whatever it is, those are kind of some of the things to consider, you know, but in terms of on the, on the savings side, a couple of comments, there in terms of, I think I mentioned the employer, make sure you get your employer match for mm-hmm. 401k. It's always an easy thing to check off the box. Okay. I'm saving enough to basically get the match. Right. But you know, that's not necessarily always enough to get you to a point in retirement where you're going to be okay. Right. So it's a good time to say, okay, when I'm looking at my budget, well, first of all, am I going to be, you know, you're, you're going to know what your income is going to be for the most part for the next year. Right. Whether you got bonuses or, a raise, whatever it is, it's a good, not, a good time to say, can I live off of X amount and, you know, cut down on my variable expenses or maybe I can't because that's what's important to me. I'm young and want to go out and do all these things, you know, but it is important to prioritize sure. putting away money, doing so tax efficiently. Right. And so with 401ks that, you know, most, most of us all, I guess nowadays have access to kind of the corporate world is generally we have the Roth 401k options mm-hmm. and traditional 401k options. And I would say majority of kind of newer plans these days have the option. You know, people our age and, you know, the, the goal of, you know, hopefully making more money as we go in our career and which is going to push us into higher tax brackets, things like that. Stashing away as much money in, the, in your Roth 401k as possible yep. um, is, is, is generally what I recommend. There's obviously different circumstances for different people, but... We all have, you know, 30, 40 years, which is terrifying to think about. But yeah. until, until we get to... We got time, maybe. Right, I guess right. maybe that's one positive way. I got time to fix some things if they're not working. Exactly. But, but, you know, we have a lot of time for growth in our retirement right. um, accounts and 401ks and well, IRAs. And on the Roth, I mean, it's important, you know, especially if it's a, you know, if, if you're a younger plan, I guess, to have that be have your taxes taken out now, right? Because you don't want to have distributions when you're 45 that are being taxed after accruing, you know, accruing interest. But, but also, you know, with inflation, it's going to, if you were to just have the, you know, a thousand bucks now and a thousand bucks later and 20% now versus later, I mean, that's, I'd rather have take it out now. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's kind of the whole idea is that 
pay the tax at a lower income tax bracket now, right. and then it's going to grow tax free for 30, 40 years or whatever the number is, and then you get pulled out tax free on the back end versus traditional. You do get the tax deduction now, mm -hmm. which is nice, but it grows tax free as well. But then you get hit hard on the right. back end. So yeah, that's kind of why I usually am navigating people towards the Roth at this point for, for, mm -hmm. for younger people that have the goal of growing and their career. And well, and, and that's the other nice thing too, that I noticed that, you know, like things like, I don't know, Vanguard or other custodians out there, they've got target retirement date funds, right. That you can kind of, you can select, okay, this is when I'm expecting to retire. And then it, it, it does the risk for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it'll have you and whether it's, whether it's equities or, or fixed, fixed income, fixed income that it'll adjust that depending on your age. But yep. with LUTs, it's been, I mean, it's super easy for us. I mean, they've got, we've got the different buckets and it's as long as you have the understanding that, okay, if you're working with time, maybe be a little bit risky right now. Yep. Absolutely. And, that, right? and that's, you know, generally like for me, I'm hundred percent equity yeah. because I've Same. got a lot, a long runway. Yep. And with the goal being, you know, the market markets over time, equities generally go up. I don't know what's going to happen in the next year or two or five years. Right. But I, you know, I generally expect that over the long run, that's going to go up mm -hmm. and, you know, risk and return are related. You got to take risk to get excess return. Right. Otherwise there would be no, I mean, returns can't come without risk. Otherwise everyone would do it. Right. You know, so that is the advantage that we have being young is that we do have the ability to take on that risk. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of takes away the emotional side of your investments, right? Totally. If the market pulls back at some point, you don't have to panic because it's a natural part of the markets. Right. And going back to the beginning of, you know, when, when we have data from the stock market, that's always been a natural organic part of you know, growth right. is when there's a pullback. So the advantage that we have is that, you know, you don't have to act emotionally because you know that okay i don't need to touch that for years mm -hmm. it's gonna bounce back it's gonna grow well that's the key though right i mean is to know that you're not touching it for years right, right? if you're if you're sitting there thinking oh i'm banking on that i've got this cash stashed away for rent no that's not even that's not a rainy day fund that's not an emergency fund that's your retirement right exactly. so so it, you know yeah if the market corrects and then you're like shit, I need some cash and you pull from it. Well, you just really ruined the entire concept of putting that away, you know, into a retirement yep, account. Yep. You're exactly right. And that kind of goes back to the kind of the short term, the short term goals, mm -hmm. intermediate goals, long term goals that I'll touch on a little bit. You know, there's there's some data out that during COVID people save more of their bank accounts than, you know, really ever before. Sure. Deposit bank accounts are sky high right now, which you know, means, it means a few things. One, obviously people, a lot of people still, a lot of people lost jobs and, you know, work was tough, but a lot of people kept what they were doing, were making money and had nothing to spend it on. Right. So, you know, it was either, you know, save more, stash away more in your retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, or just leave it in cash and mm -hmm. wait to see wherever the dust settles in a year from now or whatever. So point being, a lot of people are sitting on excess cash right now, more than the emergency fund. So, you know, on the emergency fund, generally recommend three to six months worth of your monthly expenses sure. in safe and safe cash at the bank. Right. That you know, if your car breaks down or you need to get a new AC unit or anything like that, that you're not having to sell any of your investments to pay for those things. Sell investments you know, like or yeah, exactly. Or take get into your retirement. Card. Totally. Exactly right. So anything above that emergency fund, that's that. So the excess cash, I'll call it. That is kind of where it comes down to, okay, what are my short-term goals? What right. are my intermediate goals? Obviously, long-term is a little more easy. It's I want to 
retire at some point or whatever yeah. it is. But short term, you know, within 24 months, are you, do you need to get a new car? Are you wanting to buy a house for down payment? On Go to house? Nashville. Go to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, honeymoon, a lot of people yeah. are getting married, all, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Buy a ring. Gee, yeah. I mean, all, all that stuff. All the fun stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then intermediate might be, again, you know, maybe I want to be a homeowner in five years sure. or, or anything that's coming or kids. I mean, that's, it, there's a lot of kind of unknown expenses kind of in that intermediate term. That's kind of when you can, you know, look at, okay, I've got this pile of cash. What am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if you don't really have a whole lot of short-term or intermediate goals, it would be a great opportunity to uh, increase your contributions to your 401k. Sure. Or maybe contribute to a Roth IRA or traditional IRA, you know, kind of those long-term growth buckets that we were talking about. But for money that's, that's coming up short-term, you know, within, I think I mentioned earlier, but within 24 months, you know, I, I never recommend investing it in the stock market because like we just touched on, Got it. I never want to have to turn around and sell stocks. You know, it could work out well. It could go up, like we've had a good year this year and last right. year, but it could also work out very poorly Right. in that you don't want to take the risk with that short-term money. <laughs> and then with that intermediate bucket, yeah, um, that's uh, what I guess I'm more, I'm curious about that intermediate bucket, mm-hmm. right? Because that, that, that short-term bucket, it's like, okay, I want to be liquid. I need to pull out some cash for something. How, yeah. What, what do you recommend for storing intermediate type cash that you plan on maybe using in five, 10 years? Yep. No, that's a great question. And it, it kind of comes down a little bit to risk preference okay. per person Yep. and you know, how, how long that goal is right. or what way. So generally though, I think it's, it's, safe to open up like a brokerage account, taxable brokerage account at a sure. TD or Schwab, wherever you, you know, kind of want your account housed at. And that's where you could, you know, you can be somewhat more aggressive, but you still don't want to go crazy. So right. maybe, so for me, I think maybe three to five years, I want to be a homeowner. Sure. I open up a brokerage account, you know, I'm kind of like 50% equity, 50% bond. Sure. Knowing that, you know, I, I'm okay taking a little bit of risk, but I don't want to have to act emotionally, the market pulls back. Right. And I know that me personally, I if I only have 50% of that amount in equities, I can withhold a pullback. I'm not going to touch it. Sure. The whole goal of investing is for long-term growth. Right. And to not act emotionally when something happens, right. good or bad. Right. You know, kind of comes down to risk preference. You know, 60-40, um, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You know, depend on who you are. Maybe you want to take a little bit more, more risk. But again, as that goal kind of approaches and as a year or two goes by, you know, I'd rec- recommend dialing back that equity percentage Adjusted you know, to, to, okay. to kind of rebalance, <clears throat> um, you know, there's tax consequences with that, with capital gains and everything. But, you know, that, that one's a little bit more of a gray area in terms of there's not really a black or white answer for it. Right. That is where I generally recommend a brokerage account and, sure. you know, having a and the key is I'm not picking that 60% stocks or 50% stocks. I'm not picking Tesla or Amazon. Or anything not like gambling. I'm not gambling. Yeah. I'm fully diversifying across mutual funds, ETFs. Yeah, right. And with the thought that, you know, I'm not going to be able to outpick the markets or outguess the market, yeah. but own it all as a whole and be fully diversified in that approach. Nice. With that. So, I mean, you know, do you think year end is a good time to do this or is it at the end of the day, like you said, it's really up to when, you know, your financial year is up or really it's probably just choose a time throughout the year to do it. Right. Right. I mean, because, you know, you start talking about maybe it's not a good idea to, around holidays when your expenses increase to then look at, you know, your 
you, maybe you'll be a little bit more conservative about increasing your 401k contribution because you just spend a thousand dollars on presents, right. get Christmas presents. Yeah. So maybe it's good to do that when you, you know, when you make, when you get your bonus, which could be at the end of the year. Right. No, that's a great point. And you know, a lot of people set new year resolutions mm-hmm. for themselves. And so maybe it's, you know, in January or February, at some, at some point where the holiday, the craziness of the holidays is kind of over and yeah. settles a little bit. You're exactly right. Cause the holiday, the holidays tend to be a more expensive time for a lot of people, whether it's traveling to see family, like Christmas gifts, whatever it is, partying on New Year's Eve, yeah. whatever it is. And there is an emotional factor when it comes to budgeting and, you know, totally trying to evaluate what my next year is going to look like. And if you're just fresh off of a couple of big expenses, it, it kind of makes you, well, I don't know if I can save more to this 401k or whatever it is. Right. So you're exactly right. It kind of comes down to you as an individual, kind of going back to that, where you know, a lot of people, it's a great time to just fully evaluate, wow, 2021 was another crazy year. Yeah. 2022, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it'll be more normalized and consistent, I guess is mm-hmm. a better word. So from that aspect, I think it's a good time to look at everything. It's definitely not a have to, but. Well, and it's not, and just with the new year doesn't mean you're going to start all of a sudden being responsible right. with your finances, right? right? Just like goal setting. Like just because I put in a new year's resolution to lose 30 pounds, I'm not going to wake up January 1 and say, God dang, I'm ready to do this, right? Yeah, or it's you like, might make it 15 days yeah. and, and then kind of go back to yeah. habits. But if anything, it's a great time to, you know, kind of look at yourself in the mirror and say, mm-hmm. all right. I'm making myself review everything I've got going on because, you know, going back to me, it's, it's easy to push off my own stuff until it gets to a point where I'm like, All right, I just need to do it. This is a good time to do yeah. it. You might have a couple extra days off, some downtime, you know, when you're not having to take up a Saturday to do all of this. Totally. So I think it's a good time when, when you're looking at it from that perspective. The other thing is just, you know, tax planning. Mm-hmm. You know, the January 1 to December 31st, that is actually your tax year and you don't have to, you know, address it necessarily until, you know, April, but it's, it's a good time to figure out where you are and kind of where you stand and all that. Right. One point there is, you know, we mentioned it was a really good year in the stock markets and I know a lot of people are into crypto and a lot of things that have done really well, that all is not necessarily tax free. If you got it in your taxable brokerage account. Right. And you know, it's easy to forget, Okay, if I sold some of that for profit or any of it for profit, I owe taxes on that. Right. That's not going to hit you until, you know, tax time. Right. So going back to the excess cash, it's a great time before you decide what to do with your cash to get, you know, your feet underneath you and figure out, all right, am I going to owe some capital gains taxes? Mm -hmm. You know, are there some other Christmas expenses, Mm -hmm. things that come along with that. It's a good time to, before you make decisions on where I'm going to put that cash or whatever I'm going to changes I'm going to do this year, whatever it is, it's, it's kind of a great time to wrap it all together yeah. and kind of look at the whole picture. And it really, go ahead. Well, I'll just say with that is, you know, the, the balance sheet, the net worth thing that yeah. um, Joe Donovan talked about, you know, one thing that I like to do, and for me, 1231 to 1231 is kind of a good time to do it. It doesn't have to be that way, but right. is build your own personal net worth, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in Excel, like me again, I'm a nerd, but or using some of the tools and resources that are out there, you know, build it out this year. If you haven't done it yet, you know, you're just your basic assets, liabilities, you know, everything, your retirement accounts, cash, home, cars, whatever ring, whatever it is. And then any debts you have out there, credit cards, student loans, mortgage, whatever it is, right. Build it out. And, you know, every year 
your balance sheet is a good checkpoint of how you've done. Mm -hmm. So then a year from now, look at it, you know, with, with the markets aside as an external factor, you know, did my balance sheet grow to a level of that I was hoping for and planning for it to grow? Totally. It's a great way to kind of keep track of your of your own discipline and budget. That right. Way, so. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, I think it makes it less daunting that way. If, if you know, you... Cause it's like, again, back to the idea of waking up every day and working out is maybe just think, okay, did I lose 15 pounds over the last three months? Right. Did I, did my net worth increase over the last annual year for yeah. fiscal year, however you want to measure it? You know, it, it makes it a lot, like I said, a lot less daunting, but I think also too mess around with different, different strategies. Like I know I worked with a guy when I was in Denver, he, he just did a cash budget, right? So he had cash that he, you know, he would pull out a hundred bucks a week or whatever and that was his cash for food and, and the variable expenses and, and entertainment and things like that. And that way he didn't have to worry about, you know, swiping his card and paying too much. It's, when you run out of cash, you run out of cash. Yep. So whether that's feasible or not totally depends. But I guess there any, at any point, do you think, and this kind of goes back, I've talked about, you know, life insurance and, and investing and strategies like that. But I mean, when you should seek out the help of a professional, I don't know if that's in the form of an accountant or a financial planner or, or when when you think you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a million dollar question. Just right. kind of, you know, when are things getting too complicated for me to do by myself yep. or for, you know, I need more than just listening to this podcast to... Although this is great advice. That's the goal, right? That's yeah. the goal. I'm trying, but no, I think like, really, I think, you know, as you, as people get, as people get married, mm -hmm. as kids come into the picture, as some of those insurance estate implications start becoming prevalent. So, sure. you know, when kids come on board, you know, you want to have your estate plan, you want to have something drafted up and something in writing yeah. that this is exactly what's going to happen. If something happens to me or my spouse or both of us. Same thing with insurance. Now people are depending on you and your income or your spouse and her income. Right. So it's a good time to seek out, you know, some life insurance, other things I think you guys have talked about right. um, on here. But, you know, the... Kind of a complexity thing, right? Complexity. Multiple exactly. sources of income or more, more than just you right. that you have to worry about. Right? right. And I think on the tax side of things, you know, the tax planning tools are in like, you know, the... Um, TurboTax and all the other things, they keep, they make it pretty straightforward for simple or somewhat simple situations like myself to file my own taxes. Yeah. I think if you're somebody, you know, I think 2020 and 2021 were huge years for people starting their own businesses. Sure. People that are, have their own businesses and have some more, like you said, sources of income or, you know, self-employed income, whatever it is, it's a great time to, you know, potentially reach out to a CPA, right. figure out, okay, is my situation complicated enough to where I need to pay someone to do it for me? Or if you're like in the, the home industry or, or lending industries, I mean, maybe like, to, well, I guess to your point, just a booming industry, you, you know, you might find yourself an influx of cash and you're like, exactly. okay, I need to make sure I pay on this. Correct. No, you're exactly right. Because they'll get it. <laughs> Especially if, you know, if you have an inconsistent, if you're not salary-based employee. <clears throat> right. You know, commissions are inconsistent you know, income each year and you're not necessarily having your taxes withheld on W-2 for you. There, there's a lot of implications that, you know, are, are above a simple W-2 employer right. employee situation. So I think it just kind of comes down to, if you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, I think this is a little bit, you know, you know, out of my area of expertise. Right. Because realistically people, people need to spend time doing what they, what their, what their jobs are, you know, what their, their duties are on the job. And that's what, you know, like me and you, that's what we want to be doing. We don't want to be spending time 
a bunch of time, you know, on our own personal finances and looking up tax taxes and, and making sure stuff. I'm not going to get dinged and have to pay out or right. Yep. Right. So just, it kind of comes down to a personal complexity. It's like, okay, if I think I need to reach out and reach out and at the bare minimum, you know, get someone's opinion to figure out, you know, they're going to direct you somewhere or they're going to tell you a couple things that you're like, Oh, okay. I'm actually good. I'll just do it myself for two more years. And then when this happens, then I'll come back to this person or, totally. you know, at least consider reaching out to somebody to get an opinion. On well, how handle it. and that's one thing too, that's been awesome here. I mean, I've got family friends that I know that have reached out to me and said, Hey, just curious if you or, or seen people post on Facebook. Hey, if anyone has any input on, you know, this is kind of a unique situation or any advice while I'm not the one to give the tax advice. I mean, I had them connected with people here that were able to give a, f- a free phone call, right? You know, yep. I mean, directly talking to an accountant at Lutz that, that's like, yeah, of course, I'll get on the phone and help someone understand if they are complex enough to reach out and actually get some paid advice. Or if I can tell them, go to TurboTax and fill it out, you'll be fine. Yep. There's a lot of people that are willing to do that. No, that's exactly right. And that's the advantage of kind of a, a one-stop shop is that, yeah. you know, we all have our areas of expertise, you know, while we, we try to be well-rounded as much as possible, but there, there really are a lot of resources yeah. that people willing to just, you know, give that advice and point you in the right direction. Totally. So, well, cool, man. Well, is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with regarding, you know, making some money moves, reevaluating assets and, and, and investments or any tips that you want to leave them with? Yeah, just just a couple things real quick that I didn't I didn't touch on. So in terms of taxes, there's just a couple of things that, you know, people in you know our situations, the younger, younger type people that things that they should consider if they're, you know, filing their own taxes this year, you know, kind of heading into the new year. There is, you know, with, with some of these acts that were passed during COVID, there, you know, there's a couple of things that are actually pretty beneficial for, for a lot of, a lot of people that are, you know, not in that above 400,000 sure. um, income bracket. Got it. So one of those is above the line charitable deductions. So, you know, most of us file a standard deduction each year. Right. Because I think for single filers right now, I think the standard deduction this year is 12550 Sure. To get itemized deductions above that limit, you have to have, you know, a pretty sizable mortgage. Right. Charitable deductions or property taxes and state taxes, which are capped at 10000 Yep. For married filing jointly, that limit is 25100 for the standard deduction. So anyways, one of the advantages that came out of these, these one of these acts that the government passed this year is um, above the line charitable deductions. For single filers, you can you can do, take an above the line deduction for $300 off of your income for doing charitable deductions. Got it. So even if you're filing standard, you can still, if you're giving away 50 bucks here and there to your church or whatever it is, you can actually get a deduction for up to $300 no, for married filing jointly. That's 600. Really? So something to consider if you're, wow. you know, giving away a little bit, you can get a deduction for that nice. um, this year. Another thing is the child tax credit. Yeah. Um, I know that's a big one. It's a big one because, you know, it's kind of gotten a lot of headlines because they're kind of this year, they've, they've been making some advanced payments, which is unusual, but from like what it usually is. Yeah. But if you're under that 400,000 income level, you actually can get up to $2,000 of a refundable tax credit for kids that are under 17 years old. Right. And I think it's it's even more with kids that are under six years old. Sure. You know, people that are making less than $150,000 for right. your married filing jointly, the level is even more for the credit. I think it goes all the way up to like 3,600. Sure. So something to consider, you know, there, there's kind of specifics with income phase out ranges and things like that. Right. Um, and, and having your dependents and 
what your situation is, but something to look out for. Right. You know, kind of kind of as you're posting. Now, I don't know if this needs to be said because you know you're a financial planner, but you know, obviously, I know in the past we've talked about some topics where I need to give a caveat and say this is an official tax advice. Right. Talk to your accountant. But I mean, these are awesome things to keep in mind for sure. And to make sure that people ask their account and say, Hey, there's some credits out there that I can take advantage of. I mean, yep. and if you don't have someone telling you that, then, then like I said, call someone. Yep. Right. And, and the advantage is that TurboTax and these other resources, they have really everything you need for these things. And, right. And every research is at the t- touch of our fingers now. On totally. Computers. So, you know, look into it, ask, ask a professional, but it's just kind of some some things to consider Absolutely. as we're approaching this year. So cool, man. Well, anything else that you want to touch on? I don't think so. I think we uh, we probably touched on a lot and bored some people out yeah. there. And <laughs> I think um, think I got uh, accomplished mostly of what I was trying to. So. Cool. Well, and I th- I think that we should probably let's just figure out another discussion for another day because I could. You know, I could probably sit for another 30, 40 minutes, but to your point, we don't need to bore anyone. Right, right. So cool. Well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.